Welcome to Darkly Lit, where we hop onto the eerie train that should not exist. I'm your host, Kayla King. Um, I'm joined by our other host, Said. Hello. I think I missed my train. <laughs> and our other host, uh, David King. Yeah, girl, I hear you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a very train-themed Instead of the darkly lit theme for this episode, Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> I mean, there's some really creepy Thomas the Tank Engine stuff yeah. out there. There sure is. I mean, there's a Skyrim, a famous Skyrim mod where you can make the dragons uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> it's a hilarious, but still. <laughs> um, it, it's amazing when you're playing the game and you hear a train whistle and you're like, oh, fuck, it's a dragon. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh we just read the u train by nk jemison which uh is a short story that was published in an issue of strange horizons on december 3rd 2007 and received an honorable mention in the year's best fantasy and horror 21st collection um uh we we wanted to choose a a short story this time um because life is busy and we're stuck still stuck in quarantine and when life is busy even though it's also kind of ground to an absolute halt for some of us so it's a weird it's a weird place to be right yeah. now so yeah i'll just agree yeah um but this story was more readily available and i think it, it's nice to be able to read uh, something quick and th- I, surprisingly there's it's a there's a lot more depth than i thought there would be despite what's happening um uh shall i uh shall i give the summary go for it awesome um so the whole we don't know who are the name of our protagonist but um we know that the whole story is from her point of view as she's talking on a phone um she lives in new york and uh she's talking to her best friend in these conversations and uh a lot of them is just her troubles uh, living in New York City. And she's noticing something weird when sh- she waits for the train or uh, basically the subway or metro. Uh, and she's noticing trains that should not exist appearing and starts to fe- seem curious about it. And uh, and it's starting to, you could tell it's starting to scare her friend. Um, and then in the end, you realize she does hop on the train and she se- it seems like it's she's happy that she's done it, but something is still a little off even when she has hopped on one of the supposedly defunct trains. So <laughs> um, again, short story, but um, I think uh, I, I guess what, what did you guys think of this? Uh, it was it was a lot shorter. Than I than I realized it would be, um, and I felt this wasn't so much horror as it was maybe a little bit of like a little surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think have, if I'd read it prior, I wouldn't have thought this would be a good pick. But it was it is a good short story, and I do like what it is. Absolutely, uh, it's kind of more of a. It almost has like a strange fiction vibe to it, rather yeah. than like a horror, but. Or it's strange or weird fiction, but I, but um, 
you know, there's there is something a little bit uncanny. I mean, the uncanny is definitely the the word I'd I'd put, and, and mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. but it's it's more like it's more like a, like an urban fantasy in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I I feel like the eeriness comes from, I guess, how the character starts to seem a little unhinged. Uh, just to, not even like fully. I was expecting to go her, for her to go fully unhinged, but. Uh, she never does, but there is some, it always is that sort of, she actually, she clearly believes that these trains are, like, if, that they shouldn't exist, but they do. She, she explains them as, like, ghost trains without actually calling them ghost trains. Yeah. hmm Like, they're like the, I like the way that she describes it also, it's almost like, these trains are still here. Have you ever wondered, like, maybe these you know these trains never really shut down to some degree they just kind of exist when people need them to exist and um yeah that's it's i think that's the that's the kind of eerie part of it is the idea that there's so many changed plans and patterns and platforms and things in the city that over time you lose track of you know trains that exist or don't exist or maybe a few strays still lurk out there there was a point where she describes them of like how you look down the tunnel and you would imagine you think you see the trains in there like curled up or something like they're living things yeah like uh she says if you look down the tunnels it, you can see some of them pass by like as almost like they're burrowing in um in the darkness mm-hmm. which that that is an actually interesting way to look at it she it, she actually does describe them as almost seeming alive like there's a point where at the end the u train starts to pop its head out and she's like well come on then and then it moves again she addresses them like they're real when it in and itself is a little um unhinged now uh well you you use unhinged i don't i I don't want to maybe not unhinged but it's just um well i mean i i don't know it's it's hard to interpret because it's like there's like a sort of like on top of this we've also got her talking kind to her friend kind of about her insecurities in general mm-hmm. and something something to point out is that we never all all of the conversation that we're listening in on is what she says we don't hear the other half of the conversation of what her friend is saying to her right mm-hmm. we we can guess or assume based off mm-hmm. how she responds but this is a, a classic situation of unreliable narrator to the degree to a you know amazing degree because we only have this woman's dialogue, only her dialogue, and in a one-sided conversation, uh, to which we are not privy privy to the other half. Now, all of us, um, if I recall, all of us have taken public transportation at some point or another, or ha- like have used it, uh, quite a bit actually. Yeah. Like, um. Like for the longest time, I would take the metro um, in downtown LA. Same. Uh, and, and for years, God, um, probably like Portland has the uh, Oregon has the TriMet system, and so when I was going to school in Portland, I would ride the Max train in and out of Portland all the time. Mm-hmm. And some of this does feel. Um, I felt this like uh, like her waiting for trains, and then. Uh, the fact that some people would say, oh, take the one nine. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, along with the fact, like, uh, you're kind of just waiting there. The one thing I wish that could have been addressed more, because public transportation is like scary in its own right for Mm. different reasons, like the weirdest stuff usually happens when you're riding on it. Oh my God. 
<laughs> I feel like the, one of the eeriest parts of it was honestly when she was describing the, the, the strangers that she encountered in the first place. You know, there was a homeless man mm-hmm. yelling and there was a, a weird, severe lady. Like, I've had so many bizarre encounters on um, trains, some that were a little scary. So I understand. I feel like maybe because that's especially prominent in Portland. Um, that was like the least, that was the most normal part mm-hmm. of the story. <laughs> um yeah i didn't see the homeless people uh as that different um or that unusual i think the ones that i usually had the trouble with is random strangers sitting next to me and then like questioning me about like weird stuff like um I- i've mentioned this before like the one guy who is like hey you have nice shoes thanks i'm reading a book with earbuds in you want to know how I know? Let me tell you about shoes and just goes on this whole thing about shoes. And it's like, do you know why I know so much about shoes? And I said, point blank. I'm like, I really don't care. <laughs> and you kind of have to. It, it's it, Or it's kind of like the one, another guy approached me and said, uh, on a bus, like a train stop and said, you're coming with me. We're grabbing lunch together. Out of the blue. And I said, no, I don't want to. He's like, no, you're coming with me now. And I said, no. And luckily we were in public and there was all these people around. So um, I wasn't as afraid. And it's like, I just want to go home, please. And then he finally did leave. But it's just, it it gets scary. I think the scariest thing that did happen to me on a bus is a man who, he, he was not mentally well, came in only wearing underwear, screaming, holding what looked like a bag of shit in the back of the bus and the bus actually stopped and everyone moved to the front and police officers came in and arrested him. Jeez. Yeah. Just crazy stuff happens on public transportation. So the fact that the story wasn't about that and was about, you know, these weird trains was kind of (laughs) nice. She could have gone the easier route, but yeah. Um, What's the, what's the, am I, uh, can I ask what's some crazy stuff you've seen on public transfer, transportation? <laughs> One's off the top of my head that I can remember. Um, there was, it's on the back of, it wasn't the train, but it's still the same uh, transit system. On the back of a bus, there was this drunk woman who kept going on about stuff. And then this uh, young man and I think his younger sister came in and sat near the back, almost next to me. And then the woman started yelling at them. No, first she was harassing the little girl sitting in front of her. And literally me and this guy with his sister were like, we're about to start to like me, like leave the girl alone. And I went over and I told the lady to move um, with her daughter's. While the guy spoke to the woman, and then so the woman started yelling at him, accusing him of being a pedophile, and that his little sister was his girlfriend. Whoa. And eventually the bus pulled over, and we all got off the bus, except for her, because the cops came and arrested her. And she was, like, passed out by the time the cops got there. But, yeah, she was she was either drunk or on something. Mm-hmm. Um Portland has, I mean, not that long ago, there was a stabbing. Uh, This racist man was yelling at these two girls and two people stepped in. I think actually three people stepped in and two of them got stabbed. There was some death. 
And one time I got on and I, all I did was glance at this man and his box of banana bread. And I ate banana bread from a stranger. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Were you okay? I was fine. Okay. It was just it's not bread. always so bad. Sometimes there's nice people who offer you banana bread. It was packaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, was banana bread any good? Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a sealed store-bought package. It just, just was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, uh, the nicest thing I've seen on uh, uh, a bus was these, this uh, couple um basically they were sitting down and um they actually just chatted with me and my sister they're like yeah we're from out of town we've never been to la before this is awesome and this girl comes on the train and she's young she's in tears holding a bag and they're like why are you are you okay hon do you need any help and she they were very sweet to her and she's just shaking her and they're like it's like and they said, do you need anything? And like they offer, they said, look, whatever the issue is, you don't, running away is not always the answer. And they offered her money. It's like, just, um, just, you could tell they were not from the city. Like they, they even admitted they were from um, like, like a, a small town in the South, but they, they said like, if you need anything, here's our phone number. You feel free to call us or anything. And they were just genuinely trying to be sweet and she's just staying quiet. But eventually she they, both of them hopped off the bus but the fact that they actually showed like the fact that they really cared and were mm-hmm. concerned for her well-being is like it, it's it's nice to see human decency in that way yeah mm-hmm. but um i could om- ima- only imagine how insane it would be in new york i still never been to new york so i wouldn't know but i can it's easy enough to picture you definitely get a sense of the 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 space even just from the the conversation Mm -hmm. we're we're talking about our own experiences on public transit on trains but those all are stand out to us because of the people we experienced Mm -hmm. and what's interesting about this story isn't is not that it's the fact that there was no one else when yeah there was a homeless man sleeping on like the other platform but like that's not the story it's like empty trains waiting for that that lone passenger that needs them because there was a point in the story where she describes how this train had rolled up and it sat there while she was alone on the platform but as soon as someone else walked uh up onto the platform the train left yeah and have you guys ever ridden like a train and being the only passenger aside inside i it's felt that way like late at night i have before yeah i have like Actually, early morning, because every time I fly out to see you guys, uh, I try to catch a flight that it's like at 6, 7 a.m. So I'm on the max, on the max train at like 4, 5 a.m. And it's like, there's a few people, but like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of an eerie, but like very like, I love being on the train. I love trains. So (laughs) (laughs) I always enjoy taking the metro. I used to like, um, you know, taking public transport. And, you know, even when things are weird, uh, most of the time I was always like relatively like cool being you know, like, this is, look at this thing go, look how far it travels and how much ground it can cover with for like mm-hmm. a couple blocks, you know? Like, I really want to take uh, a train cross country to like Chicago. <gasps> That'd be so cool. You know, I would love to dr- uh, be on a like overnight train, like one of those like sleepaway car uh, trains. That would and be I, cool. I know it costs a lot of money, but. Yeah, it costs less than you what you think it would. Oh, really? I didn't. Yeah. Uh, 
I always assumed it would cost more. The, I, I guess the reason uh, we're kind of discussing this now is because... Because uh, we can't escape. <laughs> <laughs> we're trapped. Trapped like rats. Trapped like this this protagonist. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to... I wanted to say earlier, like, again, I kind of addressing that, that point though. I think one of the things that's, that kind of gets pointed out in the story is that she's not necessarily from, or she, or she wasn't always from New York. Like she's, she starts having her doubts about the city or at least not from New York city itself. Like mm-hmm. she talks about, she's talks to the, uh, the other person about uh, her friend about how, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I'm just not cut out for the city. Maybe. And like all these doubts like start kind of popping up as the story progresses. So like, I get it. She's like, she's trying to adjust to things and sort of in the process of that, she's accidentally discovering these weird things about these phantom trains, you know, like, um, but um, I wouldn't say that like, she's, you know, I, I, I think as it's interesting because as her, kind of she describes her insecurities little things that are bothering her mounting um that's when it becomes more and more apparent that the trains are like (laughs) reaching out to her almost you know Mm -hmm. i I feel like um it's i feel like there's a lot of ways you can interpret this and that's what i like about it okay this is very open to interpretation uh this is going to sound weird, but go with me with this it kind of reminds me of paranoia agent and I know it's a weird connection, but um, go with me. So the premise or the idea behind Paranoia Agent is uh, this woman is just so stressed out and kind of conjures something to get her to escape this stress, even though it is in a violent manner. Mm -hmm. I feel like she is in a state where she is extremely stressed. Like, I mean, the one thing that um, our protagonist says is, I hate my job. People treat me like shit. And um, she's not sure if she feels it fits in with the city. And then you can. She broke up with her her well, boyfriend. Yeah. And it's even though he was a dick and she said she, she would have killed him if she would have married him. She still wonders if she should have stayed. Because she feels like she can't find happiness otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I got. Uh, and then she even starts doubting if her. She starts acting like, are, "Do you do you like me? Like you tell me if you didn't like me, right? Or if I was bothering you, right?" Yeah, to, to her, her friend. friend. And so yeah, you see that kind of that like insecurity kind of mounting as things go on. Um. But uh, to furthering your own point. But I feel like maybe from her stress, she just after a certain point she starts. And, and and she does mention this, like, um, after a certain point, you start to manifest this train. Like, you, people keep saying, you, you keep waiting for the specific train to arrive uh, because you keep thinking, oh, it's the one or the nine. And you think, okay, I'm waiting for the nine. The nine has to come. And it's really the wrong one. But you, you, as she words it, like, I want it so bad. You start to want it so badly that it eventually just does appear. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe in this sort of state, it's like, maybe she wanted this so badly just an escape from her life that she kind of wanted it to appear hmm. the train to appear that's one thought i have that's a, that's a theory the I have. train is there for you hence the title y-o-u train for mm-hmm. the story uh at least that's my theory i if you guys have any others no i think that's actually a pretty interesting way to, to look at it i'm kind of on the same page for the most part mm-hmm. i mean it's it's a very relatable 
perspective that we're reading, everyone has that sense of like, oh, this one person embarrassed me at work or, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm over my ex, but like, what if, you know, I fucked up and that was my one chance or what if I'm not going to find anyone else or shit, am I complaining too much to my friends? Are they getting annoyed by me? Everyone has those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so everyone starts to like, you want something to to take you maybe not so much away from your life but away from those insecurities and so you because i don't feel like she so much got away she didn't really escape because she's still there she's still at the she still calls her friend at the end but she says i'm fine now i'm doing much better it was more so she just rode the train to the end of the line and somehow it helped yeah but what does that what does that mean? What is the end? She talked about the cell phone reception being a little iffy where she was. Yeah, it, it it's on it's on one level of like okay, she she found something in these trains that brought her either some form of peace or some form of confidence or really I think more like a, a some form of understanding mm. that there's you know a, some weird understanding. I'm sure there's like some analogy I can make with like train systems or whatnot, but I'm too tired. <laughs> but like. Because she comes back and she starts talking to her friend like, hey, uh, instead of talking about herself, she starts talking about her friend like, hey, I know you feel this way about having kids too soon and giving up these goals. And, you know, she she's changed. But then there's also that weirdness of like, well, she's still on the platform, it sounds like. Did she ever really leave? Is she Mm -hmm. some like some ascended space of, of, of thought i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's possible i mean again the ending is the ending is up for interpretation the way i saw it was that she is where she's still at the end of the line wherever she was when she rode that that train and we don't Actually, know where that is i just but. had a thought you know that saying where it's like it's about the journey not the destination like maybe that's it it's like mm. Mm, yeah okay there's i got a lot of insecurities but like life's a journey and so as long as i'm always progressing forward i'll be fine yeah that's what i'm gonna take away from it i need that right now <laughs> no, for sure. I, actually you you mentioned something like uh and um you i think you, you may have touched upon something you mentioned how at the end of the conversation she starts to address her friend and talk about her friend's issues and realizing that um before all this she just kind of talks about herself it's That's all, true. It's all about here's my life. Here's what I what's going on in my life. Thank thank you for being. I'm glad you're in my life. I I don't know what I would do it out with you. I need you. It's about her, the protagonist, and it is until the end after she hops this train that and finally she's like, you know what? I've been selfish. I I should have realized that you're dealing with a lot of shit right now mm-hmm. as well. But I just assume not and. When you, when you do have, and I think that's also another thing, the you train, like yeah, uh, the you 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 you. you, you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think that could also be something for interpretation as well, like um that, and and, and I mean, look at how she addresses the trains too, like they are checking her out. She's the one who's special. Hmm. They only appear for her and no one else. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. It's like, I almost feel like like she's got this mindset. If, if you if you just call to them, they'll come for you. That kind of thing. This is, this is, this is a fun one. I like talking mm-hmm. about this one. 
There's a lot to speculate. Yeah. Uh, did we get any questions for this one? We actually received uh, quite a bit. Um, Hopefully ones we haven't already addressed. Um, or if we have, we can just read. Uh, yeah, we can always, always uh, reinterpret it. So uh, Fatal Neon uh, asked uh, a question and then um, gave their experience. Thank you, Fatal Neon. Uh, the character on the other end of the phone gets some sparse but significant characterization. Why does Jemison choose this character to play opposite the narrator? As well, they they said, the story also reminded me of a phenomenon I experienced sometimes on the Chicago L. I'll use my phone to check when the next train is arriving and watch it go from five minutes away to two minutes away to do, but the train has just never shows up. And it feels like you just missed it or blink and it was gone or something. Ghost trains. <laughs> Ghost trains. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, especially people who have um, lived in the city and taken public transportation can relate to part, bits and pieces of this story. Especially um, people who moved to the city and are getting their start and mm-hmm. feel out I of think- place. If you're in an environment or you're living in a in an area where you are constantly taking public transit, like the train system, then you're likely living a much uh, quicker and busier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, where where I think you are being faced every day with like different insecurities. So there's a lot of like relatable. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that thought. But no, back no, to no. to the to the question of the the friend's character. Okay, I can kind of take what I just said and, and compare. They're they're two contrasting uh, characters in the in the lifestyles that they're living. This girl who's who's left her her hometown or whatever to the city is now facing the insecurities of this this busy city life. Um, Whereas the friend on the phone, we could you, we could assume that maybe they they live back in in the hometown or wherever because they seem to have a much more settled and grounded life in that they're married, they have kids. Um, I, I don't I don't think they're from yeah unless they moved there because remember she's she made a a, a slide against it's like it's probably from some place to. Uh, sketch like Queens and then there's like a pause and she says yes I know you're from there so uh, her friend is from Queens which okay. is but she's still living a much more settled life in that she's she's probably home with the kids more and mm-hmm. I yeah like I know she has sons or she has a son or a baby son mm-hmm. I think um uh, building off of what you're saying there too, I think this is, it's the contrast since we're only getting our protagonist's perspective to her, her friend seems like she has her life so well put together. She's married. She has kids. She's settled. She's got everything kind of where she needs it, where, which looks ideal when you're living by yourself in the big city, everything's fast paced and everything looks bad. You know, you, or she's comparing herself to her friend over time, kind of. It- or at least it seems that way until we get to the end of the story. Yes, because once we get to the end, she realizes, no, I can see outside my perspective. And I understand that you've got stuff you're going through, too. It's not it's it's like her. It's like she has a better understanding of her friend and the things that her friend might be dealing with and doesn't see her as that idealized like why can't I have this? Why can't I be this? You know, that kind of thing. So it's like, until you can see past yourself, you'll, you'll realize that other people are also equally struggling. Yes. Mm. Everybody struggles in their own way. So I think, and I think in, in that weird way, I think it gives her, I think it, it feels like it gives our, 
our main character some some solace in a weird way like understanding that they're both dealing with stuff and that she shouldn't heap all this stuff on her because because her friend's life is far from perfect in its own way um and then this, this is also very realistic too because it, it one of the things that uh Leon says why does she yeah uh, uh jemison chose this character to play opposite the narrator and that's basically opposite yeah th- they're clearly the same age um but or close to the same age their but, peers at least yeah they and they probably were at the same level at one point but then just chose two different paths one uh got married and had kids and is now settled down uh while our protagonist uh or narrator is now living in the city focusing on her career I, it's kind of the grass is always greener on the other side like um it's like oh I, well my life could be better if i was if I if I was married and had kids and deal with that, but then it's like, well, I had to give up my career to have a family. So um, that they they really are, despite like being friends and clearly seemingly having a repertoire, at least based off the way they joke off. Like she says, "You're awesome, huh?" I, I um, I, I'm glad I have you in your, my life. It sounds like the narrator definitely seems appreciative of her friend for the most part. Yes. Or at least is definitely grateful to have her. I mean that that that's why I, I think it's a good opposite situation. Oh yeah. So now Neruli, uh, hi Neruli, uh, asks, "What do you think of the format? Do you did you feel it aided or maybe hindered parts of the story? It is an interesting format because it is uh, all first person point of view, someone talking on a phone, but we don't hear the other person's." I liked it. I think it aided. I think it gave the story a, I like when a story will commit to a format that's a little bit more unusual and it knows how to do it. The focus of the story is this character's perspective and like the shift in their perspective at the end. And so like the format focuses solely on that. So I think it's perfect. By having it in this format, it does open it up to so much interpretation and um like why are we focusing on this narrator in specific in in, uh specifically um why not her friend like and that would actually be interesting too what if we heard the conversation from her friend is like like uh basically her friend saying like wait what do you mean trains that's so weird well i i think i think Again, some of the charm of the, a lot of the charm of the story is the fact that it is only one sided. We only get, and again, I think it reinforces the idea of the you in the you train. Mm-hmm. We only get this person. It is all about her, you know. So, uh, another question that Neruli asks is, "What is your interpretation of the story? The message it's sending to you?" Um, which I know we all kind of gave uh, different ideas, but. I guess I think I think when when Sade when you said the grass is the grass oh, is, I, I or see. you said sorry the grass is greener Kayla, when you said the grass is always greener I think that was the uh, intention I think that's kind of, it's kind of it's it's that but it's a little more nuanced than that you know but then what about the trains I'm trying to figure out the how trains out of fun the the trains are the fun kind of mystical element to that I think I think it's a you know it's a mash it feels like a mashup to me of two different ideas but then again you know it could be that the trains it's that that idea you know, again, the ghost trains thing being like, you know, when you're waiting on a platform, waiting for a train, all you can think about is, oh, why isn't it here? 
oh, everything's, you know, and you start dwelling on that. You ever, you know, think about that, like everybody else is doing this other thing. And meanwhile, I'm here stuck waiting for this train. There's a lot of that sort of grass is always greener kind of thought. Oh, I didn't think about that. That comes with that. So yeah, the like, okay, my friend is at this place. When am I going to get on that train? Yeah. And catch up to them. Yeah. So it's like the, the added frustration of trains that like, you know, when you're waiting for a train to arrive and all you can think about is waiting for it to be here, waiting for it to be here. Where is it? Why isn't it here yet? What about me? What about me? Okay. And then what about, although the ghost trains, which is, hmm, I, I mean, that's an eerie quality to it too. The like, again, defunct trains that suddenly appear and they're encouraging her to hop on. And even then we don't know what exactly happened to her. And we don't, I mean, she seems to have changed positively, but we don't know if what happened to her is a good thing or a bad thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know the eerie, I think the eeriness of this, uh, again, I, I agree with say it's not, doesn't feel like a horror story. You're making the assumption that something happened to her. Maybe she just got on this train and she got where she just needed to be. And it was just the fact that she, she took that gamble of she, she decided like, well, to hell with it. I'm going to get on this train, see what happens maybe it was just that act alone that changed her perspective. That's true. But either way, metaphorically, it got her where she needed to be in terms of her yeah. relationship with her friend. That is possible. <laughs> um, it's interesting because um, this is like when I, when I looked it up, this was considered a horror, which I, it doesn't feel like a horror to me. But yeah. I wouldn't call this horror at all. Uh, if you, if we, we maybe should have looked up Jameson's, uh, profile first because they are considered uh, a science fiction and fantasy writer. Um, I have I, I have looked up her work. There, she has some interesting ones, and yes, her focus tends to be science fiction and fantasy. But she has said that she writes horror, and um, I it, it, the problem is I haven't really. I kind of have to go off the word of what's people like reviewers say. What's recommended to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sometimes they'll say like, yeah, this is totally a horror. And then you'll read it and you're like, I guess sort of, if you You, think of it in one way. You could interpret it that way. But yeah, but it doesn't, in in all honesty, I don't think it is. It, it, um, and that's always the, that's always the tricky part. Cause it's like, we're trying to, maybe people are interpreting as they, the train literally took her to the other side, wherever the phantom trains are. Yeah. And when that, and... that call is the last call that she can make, cause she's found some ethereal place where she does have happiness. I don't know. Yeah. What, we don't know what's at the end of the line. The story is, is open enough that you can interpret it any way you want to. So if you want to say it's hard, cause it, cause it just creeped you out and you have this conclusion, then that's fine. Again, ghost trains are ghost trains are an eerie thought. The idea yeah. of these like trains that should have people on them, even conductors. But every time you guys say ghost train, I think of that one episode of Hey Arnold. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh yeah, the one yeah. about the, uh, the the one about the, the yeah, this, the one about the ghost train. Yeah. Wait, I don't. Why do I not remember this episode? There's really. I don't think I we remember. should look it up. Okay, we'll look it's, it up. Uh, you guys have Hulu, right? Yeah, we yeah. have Hulu. Yeah, oh, hey Arnold's on there now. Oh, sweet. There, there we go. Well, it has a song even. Been waiting for the haunted train. <laughs> oh, it's a good episode. It's one of the more, the more memorable episodes for me. Yeah, for me too. Like compared to some of the other ones even. Like, you know, they've done a couple that were urban legends, but I liked that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my gosh. I, I can't believe it. Because I, I watched a lot of Hey Arnold episodes. I'm shocked. Maybe that it's I don't like know. that one episode you missed. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I also, I whenever we mention ghost trains, the first thing that goes in my head is is two D going ghost train. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the only thing I, I mean, because uh, there is a moment where she, uh, one part where she says, "Oh, it's another gray day," which could be interpreted as depression. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I get that. Um, but at the same time, that could be just. Uh, days where it's just like you you just feel sad or for her it could just be you feel sad and i don't know if like this could again it could be interpreted like maybe no no that's i think that's a little too well you like i guess if you really wanted to stretch you could be like is is she dead by the end of it is that kind of what you're going for because of the proximity of trains to track train to platform and yeah yeah i mean again it's it's you interpret it however you want it so if you want her to say she died at the end then she died hmm. but i don't think that's what happened necessarily but no. but then again that's the fun about stories like this. this is this story to me feels like the story that your professor pulls out for you in a <laughs> english studies course and says let's talk about reader response theory Let's talk about author intention theory. And it's just like, that was the worst English class I ever took, you guys. Just pointing out, just keep being <laughs> honest. And yet, and yet, here I am with, with these two doing this exact sort of thing in podcast form. And I'm enjoying it now because I'm not being tested on this. <laughs> I don't have to write essays about, I have to break the story down into this theory and this theory and this, this theory. So, yeah, I had to do a lot of that in college. And I took something away from it. So even if that degree never gets me anything, at least let me do this dumb podcast with my friends. <laughs> That's my rant for the day. Should we move on to the next question? Yes. Uh, so Kicks Red Wolf. Uh, hi, Kicks. Uh, I'm interested to hear how you feel about the pace of the story. And if you feel if it was above or below the line to keep you invested, insert fishing metaphor here. <laughs> <laughs> oh god well there were no hills like white elephants so um i mean i think the pacing is really good I, I think so i think it's just as long as it needs to be for what it kind of story it is mm-hmm. agreed yeah I, simple I, yeah <laughs> sorry if but yeah um you said fishing metaphor you said fishing metaphor and i immediately flash back to reading hemingway so oh my goodness yeah does it, it okay is it kind of have the hills like white elephants thing where like or no? No, because that was there there there's definitely more to the story, but it's not like trying to be so it's not trying to be like so like, ooh, look at me. I'm Ernest Hemingway and I'm writing about <laughs> two people. There was a train involved in Hills White like, like White Elephants, though. There two was. people waiting at a train station. So <laughs> Jeez. Jig, it's really a very simple operation. Oh my god. <laughs> If I have to read that story again, I'm going to... <laughs> the bane of all English majors. Anyway. No, uh, you ask an English major, hey, what story is the bane of your existence? Everyone will say the hills like white elephants. God, that fucking story. Uh, our, so um, final person to ask questions is um, Dobie Des. Uh, hi, Dobie. Uh, I was wondering about the setting, too. Uh, does it feel very specific to a place like New York City, or does it vibe well with any major city you've been in, uh, been to or lived in? I could actually, yeah, I think this could be set in... Somewhere with a lot of 
public transportation though i feel like i feel like it has to be dense like to me to me i mean we were all able to relate stories about public transportation and how we felt about it we've all had experiences that are similar but this this does feel uniquely like new york city to me well, because of just you know the the way that trains are described, the locations, the jam packedness of everything, it feels very, very NYC. Um. Uh, now I I know for a fact that Jemison actually lives in Brooklyn, New York, right now. Uh huh. Um. So she definitely knows New York very well, and that's probably why she chose that setting. Right. Uh. But I feel like. I feel like you could place this like if it was in LA or well okay New York out of any place in America is extremely well known for their public transportation system like they are known to have the best public transportation system in America not a lot of places have as extensive a subway system in the US as New York mm-hmm. so I mean and which is to, I, I've looked this up before. Uh, New York has the number one, and Los Angeles has the second. And I can assure you, more people drive in Los Angeles than they do take public transportation. <laughs> yeah, when you hear about people taking trains, you, I feel like you tend to lean toward, like in your head, you tend to lean toward New York. Mm-hmm. So, at least if you're talking about within the U.S., because there are cities outside of. Uh, outside of this country that you could probably place this story in if you changed some wording. Oh, yeah. Names here and there. You want to know something weird? What? Uh, the first time I ever was on a proper subway, like really genuinely on a proper subway, was actually in Sydney. Oh, really? Yeah. We had to take a train out from the airport in order to make our way into the uh, the Southern hi- Highlands. Uh, but the train starts underground in, in, in the... Um, at the, you know, near the airport in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So that was my first time, I think, boarding a train underground. Even, I, I've never taken any of the metro lines here far enough to get to any of the underground stations in downtown LA. Oh, I've been on them plenty of times. So I, I never go down that far. Usually if I took the blue line, it would take me all, I would get off near the convention center for obvious reasons. Uh, but I never went that, as far into downtown where it went underground. Usually it was just before. So for me, it's weird to say that the first time I was ever on an underground rail was in Australia. So I am tempted, tempted, by the way, to take you on the metro. Uh, and I will, I, from the blue line to the red line. And the reason I say this is because the red line ends at where... Um, Actually, I, I would take say two, say <laughs> both of you, uh, because the end uh, uh, at one point in the red line, it ends at the edge of um, Universal Studios. Oh yeah, like you, you could you you get out at one of the train stations and just go across, and there is a uh, like a. It, not a, it, it's not a bus. It's but a tram. It, it's a tram that takes you from the edge all the way up to Universal Studios. Yeah, I've I've, I've wanted to do that sometime. Actually, I do know about that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that goes underground. So you actually have to go underground and then leave and all that. Neat. So there, there's certain people like when people visit, and they're I, I they're like, oh yeah, should we yeah uh, should we take public transportation? I'm like, I have to estimate like do. You, is it worth it uh, well are you the type of person that can handle it (laughs) like there's like i i say this with the 
because there there are people I know that if they took it, they would be upset with me because <laughs> they're like, why would you put me through this? This place is scary. Why would you do that to me? Pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, but I know Sade would handle it just fine. <laughs> if you guys want to hear one more story of how yeah. Ravel ended up crying on the train. Aww. <laughs> I won't tell it. Not not maybe off the air. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's a story you'd want to tell on on the air with Ravel's consent. So yeah. Um. So uh, another question that Dovey has is, would the text have benefited from seeing the other side of the conversation? I felt like it threw off the pace just a little bit, and the text was a bit too short in general. Also, would it have benefited from a frame for why we're seeing these texts? I, like I kind of stated earlier, I disagree because I think it reinforces the idea narratively, the theme of the story that it is, it's it's about our protag and only about our protag. It's mm-hmm. the U train. So the fact that it's so focused on her and her conversation and we don't even get the other side is, besides being an artistic choice, is a thematic choice. Like that's, I think the story, I think it would have been a little awkward if we'd gotten both sides of that conversation. Other stories that could work. I mean, remember when uh, we were reading Let the Right One In and there were whole sections that were just the conversations between um, um, Elay and... Uh, Hakan. Yeah, Hakan. that's yeah. right. Thank you. I was just going to be, I was just going to say, um, I, I, was, I was like, I know his name. And if I can't think of it, I'm just gonna be like the pedophile. Um. <laughs> uh, read, uh, listen to our other episodes to get an insight on that story. Um, I, I actually, I'm gonna uh, bring something up here too. Just, uh, just my own question for this. So, um, N.K. Jemison is also a uh, a black writer, and do you think this has any influence on? How, her speech pattern or how someone would address her do you feel I, I feel like i feel like it's the 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 dialogue strikes me as just being kind of like um modern and you know true of someone like like it, it has the like the isms of someone who is just talking to their friend in a you know especially like two close girlfriends you know like that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah it, it does it's not like uh Considering the first two words are "Hey, girl," you know, <laughs> it, it's not like um, Black Tom, where this is clearly written by um, uh, someone who uh, of color and clearly has had these experiences. And I mean, the uh, and and the 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 main character is really you know is is, is obviously a, a black character. You know, like this is this is we we only there's only so much perspective we get from this. So it's just it's, to me, it's just. It's clearly the only concrete things we have is this person is clearly female. Mm-hmm. I think if you're used to hearing different types of speech, like way people talk casually, uh, you could infer that, oh, this is a black woman speaking. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I am a person of color, it stands out to me a little bit more, especially when she's like, oh, the blonde lady, the blonde at work, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, not. Okay, that's, I mean, just really, in yeah. you know, you could infer it. It's also casual enough, and just it, you, you, if you weren't used to uh, the way certain people speak, 
or the way uh, more ca- people speak more casually amongst each other, you just assume it's anybody. And I, with this story particularly, though, like that's just I think we're just kind of nitpicking in terms if we're gonna analyze the, the dialogue in that sense because it's general enough that yeah. this could be yeah. any woman talking to their friend. Mm-hmm. Let's let's. I feel like we're just pulling at whatever loose string we can at this point yeah because we're trying to pad the episode i'm sorry i I think the tricky part is it is a short story and it's a very short story this is probably the shortest one we've read yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think for the future i think we'll try to do a bit more longer texts yeah this this month though we were like you know what shit's kind of hard we also got some some things like that are dragging us down let's do an easy read do an easy episode something quick and easy for Kayla to edit yay because <laughs> because we're really gonna dive into the next one right yes um I, okay before we introduce that do we have any final thoughts I like this story I do also like the story um. I am curious. I'm, I'm to to read more. Yeah, after reading this, I want to I want to see more of Jimson's work. Like honestly, this is yeah. really cool. Yeah, maybe not for the podcast, but uh, no, I'm, for, I'm for on my own casual time, for reading. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because she leans more towards sci-fi and fantasy. Um, if she if she does write horror, I haven't. Um, I feel like people will say, yeah, it's sort of horror. We might have to give it a, a cursory look first before we consider it for the podcast. Yeah, I, I don't regret having read this for the podcast. Yeah, I don't regret it, though. So our next read, which I, I'm i very excited for. Uh, yes, I've already read it, but I am more than willing to read again because this is probably my favorite read from this year. And I really want to discuss this book with these guys so our next uh, story is mexican gothic by sylvia morena garcia this is probably the newest book we've ever read it just came out july oh really this year yeah wow and i again i love this book i i <laughs> i, I want to i am totally down to reread it and i mm, i'm so excited to talk <laughs> pace yourself we will get there i promise <laughs> um anyway uh uh any plugs or uh so we just finished round one of creative horrors boo olympics we had a cooking contest uh there is a video on youtube on the creative horror youtube page so you can watch us all attempting to cook um that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh and Congratulations to the best fiends. Yep. Say thank you, thank you, thank you on on Alan's behalf. Thank you, thank you. And myself. <laughs> I'm also the other half of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you absolutely deserved it. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Alan and Say totally had this in the bag. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> we, I think we're out of the group. We are the foodies for sure. Mm-hmm. So the next round of the Olympics starting uh, now already is uh, a costume contest and it is open for everyone. So we will be competing amongst ourselves within the creative power team, but we are also encouraging all of our listeners to join in. The deadline isn't until October 25th. Um, the rules are on the creative on the creators blog over at creativehorror.com. Um so everyone can compete, and it's an excuse to make a cool costume and, you know, 
fucking celebrate Halloween because what else are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm very excited about that. And uh, best fiends are going to win again. And, uh... <laughs> Shadow monarchy begs to differ, but we'll see. I'm actually uh, expecting great things from uh, the Red Plague, which is made up of my fellow Witching Hour co-host, uh, Henry and Ravel, because uh, Henry is a cosplayer. Uh, Henry and their part, their significant other have done so many amazing cosplays. Um Oh yeah, I've seen their Instagram or uh, yeah. his Instagram, and wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so I think yeah, they're they're they have the best shot at this one. Um, if uh, if you guys enjoyed this, uh, please uh, listen to other podcasts on the Creative Horror Network, uh, like uh, Trick or Track or um, Undercook Analysis, and um, also. Uh, uh, with uh, October just around the corner, we're, there's going to be a new Midnight Marinara episode. Which Woo! We're raising it from the dead as we try to do every year. Now that the show has kind of reached its like semi-logical conclusion a couple of years ago, we want to at least do one, at the very least, one new episode every year. And uh, October 30th, which it, uh, will mark Midnight Marinara's seventh anniversary, uh, there will be a brand new episode. And uh, this is one I wrote, so <laughs> go easy on me. No, I'm <laughs> it's uh, a good one. It's a good one. We're only on the first draft currently, and it's a good one. Uh, as well as uh, uh, old episodes of the Witching Hour. Um, but Sadie, you mentioned that you're bringing the Witching Hour back. Uh, I have been trying for the last two months to bring back the Witching Hour, uh, but different things uh, keep getting in the way. Uh, Something else has just come up that is very concerning. I can't uh, say anything about it right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring back the witching hour the way that I want it to. And if I am missing this element, I don't want to bring it back. So that's up in the air. The good thoughts. Staying positive. <laughs> I am posting um, older episodes up onto the YouTube uh, the entire catalog is up on the Creative Horror website. Uh, we do have a segment, a uh, special type of episode called Good Morning, that I think we will at least continue the Good Morning sessions. And uh, but, but what was the witching hour and what I had planned for it is on hold for, mm. for now. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so uh, I we'll blow our candle because i can i think i can see the light of our train approaching it's hesitating in the tunnel though i think it's a little bit nervous well come on let's go good evening intrepid listeners this is the pasta shade the host of midnight marinara and this podcast is part of creativehorror.com a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at creativehorror.com. <laughs>